Welcome everyone to the podcast Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. This is a podcast where we talk about tough theological and Christian living questions sent in by people just like you. Our hope is that listening will strengthen your confidence in God's Word, helping you to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you have any questions, please send them to questionsforpastortim at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Unanswered Questions. And today, the question is, how do the Gospels show us a canonical approach to Scripture? Thank you for joining in again on another episode of Unanswered Questions. And uh, I would assume that uh, the title today, or the title uh, of this uh, podcast, Unanswered Questions, would be uh, target on, spot on today when we focus on a story in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and ask the question which we have really not asked before is, how do the Gospels uh, show a canonical approach to Scripture? How do the writers of the Gospels, in fact, give us clues that they are writing the story looking backwards and looking forwards? Uh, what are some of the clues that we would want to look for in the gospel stories that we've all been taught, that we're familiar with, and we think perhaps uh, that we know quite well? And when we look at uh, the story of Zacchaeus, for example, through g glasses that are canonical, a canonical viewfinder, we discover that the writer has dropped in clues and hints to help us to uh, remember something back from the Old Testament specifically Genesis 1 through 3, and it helps us also to look forward. So the story has two arrows. It has an arrow pointing back. It has an arrow pointing forward. And that's often what a canonical approach to the Bible does. It helps us to see connections. It helps us to connect the dots. And it helps us to see that the Bible is a seamless story. Uh, even though it is authored and written by various people over many generations and thousands of years in different lands, nevertheless, the story is seamless. And the writers use a canonical approach to help us to make those connections. And they're great. They're fun to see. They're fun to recognize. And once we get our arms around this concept, it helps us to read the Bible with greater understanding, as well as to see the whole Bible, the whole picture given in the Bible in one glance. So let's begin our canonical approach to the familiar story in Luke 19, 1 through 10, the story of the wee little man called Zacchaeus. Uh, from a canonical standpoint, trees, as we have discussed before, play a dominant role in all of the Bible. They play a dominant role in Genesis 1 through 3, and they become a unifying theme in all of Scripture. The role of trees throughout the Old and New Testament keeps reminding us of the past, that tragic but very pivotal event which occurred in the garden at a fruit tree, uh, a tree that was forbidden to be eaten from by God. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a tree that basically said God knows what is good for you, God knows what is evil for you, and therefore I am the one who uh, makes the decision about what you ought to do 
and what you ought not to do. I know what's good. I am the author of all of knowledge, and so you trust me. On the basis of faith, God is asking human beings to trust him, to trust his knowledge. And so trees throughout the Bible remind us of that event, but also they point forward. And trees have a, a variety of uh, features that help us to follow the biblical story. For example, there are palm trees and fig trees, cedar trees. There are bushes, there are stumps, there are leaves, there are branches. There are things that are made from trees or plants, such as ropes and baskets. There's seeds. Of course, the story of the parable of the seeds sown in the soil. And so all of these are connected to trees. They all, in some way, look forward or look backward. And they all help us to uh, keep track of the seamless story of the Bible. Of course, when we encounter a tree in the story of Zacchaeus, in Luke 19, we are familiar with the so-called sycamore tree. A sycamore tree is a fruit tree. It's a sycamore fig tree, otherwise known sometimes as a mulberry tree. Its branches are very, very low to the ground, and as a result, they're very easy to access. Children, boys and girls, uh, are big enough, in a sense, to climb up these trees. And this is why the wee little man that we know of as Zacchaeus used a sycamore fig tree in order to see Jesus. So anytime we see a tree in the narratives of the Gospels, where it's, whether it's a fig tree being cursed by Jesus, whether it's the story of the seeds being sown, or the story of thorns or branches or leaves or the fruit of the Spirit, uh, these are all echoes of Genesis 1 through 3. These are all canonical clues. But the story of the sycamore tree resonates with the story of Adam in a garden who is at another fruit tree. Um, the story of Zacchaeus is somewhat familiar, but uh, Luke tells us that uh, when Jesus entered Jericho, there was a man who uh, was named Zacchaeus, and he wanted to see Jesus. He was a thief, uh, a a chief tax collector, as well as he was very wealthy, two strikes against him. But he wanted to see Jesus. Now, he's the second man in Jericho who wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. The earlier story in Luke 18 is of a blind man begging beside the road who also could not see Jesus, but his problem was simply being visually impaired. Zacchaeus's problem is that he's short of stature, and when the crowd is standing in front of him, he's unable to see Jesus. So Luke records that he ran to a tree, this sycamore fig tree, and he climbed it in order to see Jesus. So he's like a bird on a perch with a bird's eye view of Jesus looking down. And when we read the word run, when we read the word tree, we are hearing echoes of another event from Genesis 3. Adam, the first man, <clears throat> uh, having taken the fruit from his wife and having eaten it, standing at the base of a fruit tree, he hears the voice of God. He hears the sound of God walking in the garden. And the question that comes from the voice of God or from the mouth of God is, Adam, where are you? Uh, here's the question that indicates that God is seeking 
after Adam. God is searching for him because Adam has hidden himself. He's run away and he's hidden himself in the trees. So trees play a major role in the story of Adam and it also plays a major role in the story of Zacchaeus. But here we have Zacchaeus being pictured as a better Adam. Rather than running away from Jesus, and remember both of these men are thieves, both of these men have taken what does not belong to them. The story goes on to show us that Zacchaeus was a man who had resorted to extortion and blackmail to prey on people who could not resort to any sort of a defense. He worked for the Roman government, took more than he was allotted, and became a pariah in the eyes of people. So he's a thief. But here Luke pictures him not running away from Jesus, but running to a place where he could see him. And Jesus approaches uh, the tree uh, and looks up and without telling us how he knew his name, says Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, I must stay at your house today. And the story goes on to say that Zacchaeus welcomed him with joy. Zacchaeus is being contrasted with Adam, who did not run to God when he heard the voice of God. In fact, he ran away and he hid. So here we have two men who both are guilty. Both of guilty have taken something that's not theirs. And as a result, there's a response when they hear the voice of God. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Why? Apparently there was in his heart some sort of a need that riches had not satisfied. All the riches in the world had not made him content and feel accepted. Of course, he was not accepted by the people. They grumbled that Jesus, that Jesus had gone to be the, into the house of a sinner. A sinner, when someone else is being called that in the Gospel of Luke, it means that they have a very low view of this person. So thus far in the story, we have a clear echo from Genesis 1 through 3, where a man who's at the bottom of the social ladder in terms of his moral standing before God, uh, someone who has two strikes against him, someone who's not only a thief, but he's wealthy. And Jesus has said that it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man, a rich person, to go into the kingdom of heaven. But here's the exception to the rule. Here's someone whom God is looking for, God is searching for him, knows his name, and goes exactly to the place where he's sitting. Now, it's at this point that I want to bring up another echo, another canonical point, which will help us to understand how the story of Zacchaeus looks forward. The tree helps us look back. The fruit tree helps us to look back to Adam, to look back to two different people here, Zacchaeus who runs to Jesus, even in a guilty state, and the story of Adam who, also in a guilty state, runs away from God. Here at the tree, Luke changes up his language. And instead of saying, and when Jesus came to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. But what Luke does is he substitutes a different phrase. And it's this phrase that points ahead to the cross, that points ahead to the cross of Jesus in Luke chapter 23. It says, and when he came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. That phrase, word for word, and he came to the place, word for word, is used in Luke 23. 
Luke 23, verse 33, is the same phrase that Luke uses to describe how they brought Jesus to the place that was called Skull, the place of the skull. And there we find another man hanging on a tree, looking down at people, in the same way that Zacchaeus was up a tree looking down at people. And so the story of Zacchaeus, in a way, is foreshadowing the cross, the story of another tree, and the story of a conversation that takes place at both trees. In the case of Zacchaeus, it was that conversation while in a tree that changed him. It was that conversation that Zacchaeus had with Jesus where he discovered that God had accepted him, that Jesus had accepted him and wanted to come and stay in his house. Imagine, he wanted to come and stay in a criminal's house, a man guilty of extortion, of strong-arming people, intimidating them through fear and power into paying him money in a form, a form of theft. He's a criminal, and yet he discovers that God wants to stay in his home. That acceptance speech, in a sense, changed the day for Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden, the thought of making money appeared to him as repulsive. Gone was the desire and the craving for acquisition of material possessions and money. The grip of greed was gone. And so Jesus says to him, today, salvation has come to this house. So the conversation is very similar to what happened when Jesus was on the tree at that place called the skull, the place of the skull. There, Jesus has a conversation with somebody else who's also on a tree. It's the thief who had said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yes, your kingdom, not when you go to the grave. This man believed in resurrection. And so Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So we have two men, both in a tree, and both who have been changed by a conversation they had with Jesus while in that tree. So to summarize what I'm saying about the familiar story of Zacchaeus is that Luke has worked some canonical items into the story. He has worked the thread of looking back, reminding us of another fruit tree, of another man who ran away and hid from God, and showing how under the ministry of Jesus we have another man who is at another fruit tree and rather than running away from him, it says he wanted to, to see him. He didn't want to hide from Jesus. He, he ran to him, in a sense. He ran to the place where he could have a better sight or view of Jesus. So the story looks backward. That's part of being a canonical story. It helps us to look back to see, oh, the story of Genesis 1 through 3 is connected to the story of Luke 19 and Zacchaeus. Things have not changed. The tree is a reminder. But it's also... Uh, uh, an illustration of how Luke wisely uh, makes us look forward and anticipate the cross so that when the reader anticipates or when the reader crosses these words in Luke 23, 33 and they came to the place, the reader would say hey wait, I just read that that's the exact phrase that was used of Zacchaeus when Jesus came to the place he came to the tree now they come to the place in Luke 23, another tree uh, that will bear fruit in salvation. And in both passages, Luke uses this great word, today. 
<laughs> today salvation has come to this house. And with the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Which is, a, in a sense, saying the same thing. Salvation came to the thief on the cross in the same way that salvation came to Zacchaeus. Luke is showing us a great Savior. He's showing us an incredible Savior who has, in a sense, reversed what happened at Eden and giving us hope. Hope for the worst of the worst. So if you have somebody in your life, in your family, a son, a daughter, a friend, a brother, a sister, who is away from God, caught up in the grip of something, some lifestyle that is displeasing to God, and you think, God will never save this person. This person is beyond hope. There's no hope for him. Why even pray? Just give up. Think of Zacchaeus. He, too, was beyond hope, in a sense. He was wealthy, and he was a criminal, and God saved him. And so the canonical approach to Scripture not only opens up Scripture like uh, a knife can slice open a loaf of bread and reveal that wonderful white bread or baked bread inside, but it also can give us such hope because it makes connections to the past. It makes connections to the future. Well, I've probably said enough about this story. I haven't gone into all the details of the story, only to show you those two things. It helps us to look back. It helps us to look forward. And that's the point of approaching the Bible canonically. It really opens up the Bible, shines light on stories, helps us to see the Bible is a seamless story leading us to Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. God bless you richly. Thank you for joining us this episode. And remember to send all your questions to questions for Pastor Tim at gmail.com.